0: Are you gonna share your monogreen game in this section or are we
1: going for it in the in deep Oh so it's not actually a story about a game oh it's a story about a man <laughs> one one long-suffering man who uh, played against Alan in round four of the tournament. Alan was on blue red prowess and uh, lost to him. Because that's a tough matchup for Mono Green. The Blue Red Prowess is like pretty focused on beating that kind of deck, <laughs> uh, and we figured out some good strategies for it going in. And the guy said, "Man, this deck is everywhere today. I've lost to it three times." And Alan was telling us this story, and I looked at Philip and I looked at Alan, and I was like, "Is there anybody else in the room on this deck?" And Philip's like, "Wait, what was the guy's name?" Alan told us his name. And Philip said, Yeah, I played that guy in round one and beat him. And then I looked at my app tournament record and realized that I had played him in round two and beaten him. <laughs> so <laughs> the deck was everywhere, specifically for this dude. A pretty rough matchup for Mono Green, and he played against Philip and then me and to somebody that he beat into Allen, lost to all of us, and uh just had a very rough day <laughs> of it. <laughs>
0: You guys are over here just plotting to make this guy in particular's days miserable.
1: We, we, I promise we were not just headed out there to take this dude down. But yeah, so a rough day for that fella. I played him in round two because I was slain in round one, which was unfortunate for that Sunday. But it was still a pretty good weekend overall. Yeah, I heard like everyone
0: top eighted. Also, <laughs> my favorite story that I've heard from the weekend, or that was just like a screenshot on Twitter was Mm -hmm. uh max on sunday posted his first round opponent uh using like the companion app screenshot and his first round opponent's name
1: was sausage assassins (laughs) (laughs) the app still allows you to have like your display name be whatever your uh, arena name is is for people who don't have their actual name in there
0: absolutely absurd from a tournament standpoint (laughs) Yes, you're supposed to stand up in the middle of FNM or like a, a tournament like this and get off table and and be like alright who is assassin. sausage assassins
1: <laughs> which is funny the first time but then when that joke has to get made like every round of the FNM it's like alright this is no longer funny
0: I need you to wear
1: the sausage costume if that's you know <laughs> we're all trying to find the guy that did this
0: just dead sausages everywhere
1: everyone welcome to episode 251 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris castor apple with me is lee mcleod haley hi chris how are you i'm doing great uh we had a long weekend
0: so i always feel nice and well rested i even missed my alarm this morning because i just disabled it (laughs) (laughs) so that was great
1: yeah my stupid alarm clock doesn't have like a you know kill the alarm button i can't use my phone as an alarm clock because then i will like use my phone as i'm going to sleep and then still be up at 1 a.m so i need my phone to be in the other room so i have a dumb alarm clock but it's very dumbly designed so to like stop my alarm i have to like flip the switch to alarm off and then i have to remember to turn my alarm back on before the night it's very stupid so that has led to some alarm not going off in the mornings, but at least now I reflexively like turn my alarm off and then immediately turn it back on when I hear it. And believe but, it or not,
0: there are alarm clocks invented in this, as soon as the year 1980 that have a remembered to set this alarm every morning feature.
1: It's just that there's no, like, I accept this alarm. I accept the terms of this alarm. I will not snooze. Please <laughs> stop ringing button and that's i don't understand why there's no dedicated button for that on my alarm clock but like i bought the alarm clock then realized it and i was like well i'm not gonna buy another alarm clock who am i <laughs> the monopoly guy i mean give it like six months a year you're just gonna go back no i've had this alarm clock for two years like Ooh. It's it's pandemic just the pandemic clock it's the way i live now <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I mean, I had a pretty good weekend, too. Played a bunch of Magic the Gathering for the first time in a while. I think, like, the Envy was my last Paper Magic tournament that I went to. Yeah, actual
0: Paper Magic. You play way more Magic than I do day to day, just due to Mm -hmm. me never playing Arena Magic Online. Yes. But I have certainly
1: uh, massively dwarfed you in Paper Magic. (laughs) Yes, I just have not been going to stuff. But I did get out now that RCQ season has started we took a little trip to Charlotte area. There was a Saturday Pioneer RCQ followed by a Sunday Pioneer RCQ. And I really enjoyed the weekend. It was just super fun to get out and play Magic with friends. And also a lot of us did a bunch of winning, so that felt good too. But even if we hadn't, you know, it was still just a really nice thing to be spending my time on again.
0: I mean, the trips with friends are one of the best parts of Magic tournaments. And then Mm -hmm. when you also win, it's even better.
1: Yes. And also Your you know were friends were doing winning too, so it was hard to, you know, there was always something good going on. I'm not sorry I missed it cuz I I did I was
0: doing other stuff, but yes. I you know, if I could be in two places at once, that is one of
1: the places I would have been. It was good. It was worth it, even with the drive out there, but I get it. It's hard to spend a holiday weekend driving and stuff when you have fun stuff you could be doing like closer to here, so Um, But yeah, both of the RCQs were Pioneer. I played the blue-red Prowess deck that I was going to play Phoenix, but then saw that Todd Anderson had posted a version of the Prowess deck and recommended it, and so tried it out a little bit, thought it seemed very powerful, and just kind of went with it with some sideboard changes for the weekend. And I think we'll spend a fair amount of time talking about that, because I do think it is a good, though not revolutionary, option for the format going forward. And it was very powerful for me this weekend. I made the finals of the Saturday tournament, which was smaller than the Sunday one. Uh, On the Sunday one, I unfortunately lost around one, which kind of pushed me out of tiebreaker contention. So I ended at five and two, but was not live for top eight. Uh, The deck felt really powerful. The games that I lost were generally due to some amount of user error or just like really atrocious, like clumps of draws and most games were like we both were casting spells. I just felt like my opponent's spells were worse than mine. So I definitely would recommend playing this deck if a prowess type treasure cruise strategy is a deck that you are interested in playing. It's one of the best uh, treasure cruise decks, I think. <laughs> Dude, playing just the card consider with treasure cruise is just an unbelievable, like I'm, I'm willing to dump almost anything into my graveyard. If I have a treasure cruise in hand, I want to dump something into my graveyard to enable my treasure cruise. If I don't have a treasure cruise in my hand, I'm going to dump anything that's like not a treasure cruise into my graveyard so that I can find the treasure cruise. So, you know, maybe Thought Scour would just be better than consider in the deck a lot of the time. But. I
0: mean, yes. I think if Thought Scour would legal and pioneer Watsy's hard stance on, you know, treasure yeah, cruise and Delta Time are the <laughs> pillars yeah. of our format, maybe that'd be a little upended.
1: I think they'd be on a, a very short clock. Yeah. Yeah. This deck is not too complicated we'll talk about it but i do want to do actually do a couple of keeper moles since now you know i have tournaments i have hands that i actually think about instead of arena hands from games that like disappear from my brain five minutes after they're done so
0: a little individual card reward uncommon pops up and you just see red
1: yes i do not like individual card rewards what an (laughs) incredibly insulting system of quote rewarding you for your play love to get a fall of the Thran or some (laughs) other like long rotated out of standard unplayable rare or uncommon. That's just how they get you to keep playing arena. It doesn't. It's not. (laughs) Yep. Can't wait to get back to arena and get some more of those individual card rewards to fill up my collection. Just hoping that the ones I get, I already have four copies of so that they advance my vault rather than doing (laughs) nothing insane an insane system like designed by a hateful madman
0: a team of hateful mad people (laughs) (laughs) we don't want to give credit to just one
1: single madman it's been a long time since we've done keeper moles i actually kind of want to get back to it if i can one of the reasons that keeper moles disappeared was because the answers just became mulligan every time due to the put one back mulligan rule. There's also a companion also in your opening hand for a good portion of time there. (laughs) Right, right. So that also encouraged you to mulligan a little more, and it was just always right to mulligan. But it's still a fun segment. It's still... On the biggest single decision you make during any game, and so when we do have hands, I want to start paying a little more attention to whenever anything interesting comes up to, to talk about it, because I think the biggest percentage decision you make in any single game of Magic is whether or not to keep your hand, so it's good to talk about the tough ones.
0: So are these hands that you encountered during your tournament this weekend?
1: These are hands that I encountered during my tournament this weekend. So this first one is on the play, game one, playing Blue Red Prowess. The hand is three spells, a Monastery Swiss Sphere, a scar Mage, and a Consider, and then it's four lands, a Steam Vents, two Spire Bluff Canals, and an Odawara. So, you know, perfect mana, but you're not really deep on spells, and also you have more lands than you know what to do with, but the Odawara is a spell land in case you get flooded. So it's not nothing, but you don't really want to start planning for using your Odawara. <laughs> this early in the game it's a it's a nice bonus add it's not a thing that you think about that much in your opening hand
0: so this is a blue red prowess deck where you you young pyromancer of one mind treasure crews all that stuff right mm-hmm. so on the play game one this is an unknown opponent easy play with this particular hand as you just go turn with soul squirmation and turn two swiss spirit consider uh, then pray you hit spells so yes. if you don't hit spells it seems very very bad uh, and you can hit some spells that are not good like treasure cruise even of one mm-hmm. mind's not fantastic because you do not have a non-human creature right so i probably just mulligan in this hand try to look for a better more consistent faster six
1: yeah i think it's close i ended up keeping it i did exactly that i drew i drew the of one mind was the only spell <laughs> that i hit and then just like had to cast divination which and, and this was actually part of my thought process with the hand was you know the matchups that i'm kind of most likely to hit are mono green in which case uh like this start is it's good but not ideal because it doesn't have a removal spell in it like the ideal start is play a one drop and then turn to like play a one drop and kill their guy or play a ledger shredder and then kind of go from there so it's not ideal against mono green but it is very good to be attacking for four on turn two And that's kind of the same against most of the field. There are a lot of control decks in the field as well. And against, like, red-black, it is tough to mulligan because they're a Thoughtseize deck. This hand is not good against Thoughtseize, but at least you're making your land drops. so then when you do draw your card-drawing spells, you can do stuff from there, uh, and you're not down additional cards. I I think it is really close. Like, from the way the game played out, turned out my opponent was on mono-green. They were making plays at a normal... normal pace not doing ultra broken mono green things but just like mana dork into old growth troll into spells and stuff and i i drew kind of like worst case scenario spell which was just of one mind with no non-human creature and my turn three was just divination attack for four again but given that given the way that the game played out with my opponent casting spells at a normal pace not making 14 mana on turn four or anything like that but you know, putting cavalier into play if i had drawn basically any spells off of the of one mind i still would have won the game easily based on the amount of damage that i did on turns two and three and given that i i think this hand is really close and i am actually inclined to think that i was supposed to keep it and just you know didn't quite get there on it I mean, are you supposed to keep it in all instances or are you supposed to keep it against monogreen? Because you didn't know what your opponent was playing, right? Right. But you know, if whatever my opponent is playing, I think this is a fine start that you just need to hit a little bit and the you know, my of one mind hit two lands, and that's I mean not that I knew I was going to hit of one mind, but I don't know. I it's hard for me to turn down attacking for four on turn two and then just trying to like then most of your cards are very good after that point.
0: I I get where you're coming from, but I don't like the mm-hmm. uncertainty that you put yourself in when you keep a sure. hand like this. Like any hand would consider trying to bridge you into something else and that's like all you've got going on to bridge you other than your draw step. It's not yeah. something I'm a huge fan of. Like yep. If you had drawn a young pyromancer instead of of one mind, you mm-hmm. would have a better board presence, but your previous two creatures would not be doing that much, for instance. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And maybe just given how powerful the mulligan is, you can just do better than this. Probably now I, I am leaning towards like I definitely wouldn't keep this on the draw. Um, no. It's only tempting <laughs> on the play because you're like hitting them. And that's what I want to do. But probably leaning a little more towards mulligan now. But I, I thought that this one was was pretty tough.
0: I'm, I'm also far more aggressive with mulliganing than mm-hmm. most people, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I have spent a long time of my career keeping really bad hands and I just know every way a hand goes wrong. (laughs) It just seems that every time I keep like a loose or like kind of okay hand, it just goes wrong. So I just don't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think that especially now with the way you mulligan, I think that's mostly correct. Uh, And like the only thing that, pulls me towards keeping looser hands is if like my first turn or two are like excellent and then that is a thing that makes me like okay well you know the the way that this hand can play out could be like very very good like the ceiling on a hand that starts out with two prowess guys and a spell is very high but you know that's not necessarily the right way to be thinking about it and also this is a deck that has eight powerful card drawing spells in it and also has ledger shredder so you can like make up for your being down a card really really easily not that like that's the goal when you mulligan is like to get back up to seven or whatever (laughs) but it's not as punishing when you are when a good hand treasure cruises at some point in the game yeah of course treasure cruises messed up (laughs) and if you mulligan you'll just have fewer cards
0: in your graveyard for treasure cruise that's just math
1: yeah my second hand was actually from that same match, uh, so I, I did lose that game one because I just never really saw another spell. Uh, game two, I won fairly easily by casting spells out of a hand that had spells and lands in it. Game three, I'm on the draw. My hand again is Swiss Spear, Soul Scar Mage, and Consider. But this time only has one land one spire bluff canal and then it has two ether gusts and two ledger shredders or That's, either got Gu- two yeah, Ether gusts one and a, a ledger shredder an eight yes. card hand huh? <laughs> no not an eight card hand one ledger shredder
0: so Swiss so spirit soul consider land yes And then two aether gusts and a ledger shredder as the uncastable cards because they cost two yes mana. yes um and you're on the draw yes so you have two one drops and to consider to get you there being on the draws makes us way more tempting than being on the play because being on the play Mm -hmm. i just ship this instantly of course how many lands are in your deck do you know
1: 20 20 exactly so there's 19 left yeah one of them is a uh spike field hazard though so it kind of doesn't count sure okay i mean i would take spike field hazard into calculation here (laughs) because i mean you you take it into calculation but it doesn't do the thing on that you know it it doesn't allow you to have your ceiling yeah makes you not dead yes like you you
0: eventually get to like on your turn two you can just play the other one drop and then on your next turn depending on what you draw you can either consider or and do two drop like it just depends on what you draw from there yeah two aether gusts is so tempting that card's so good against mono green it's quite powerful see the thing that gets me with this hand is even though you are on the draw and have a cantrip you really want to play playing the the one drop like like, so spear the soul mage on turn one Mm -hmm. because you you don't want to spend the time to consider. And if you don't consider, like if you don't hit a land on your first draw step, you still want to play the one drop and just hope you hit again, but you're so less likely to hit without considering first. And if you don't hit the land on your second draw step, you like have to consider to try and hit the land. And that's where it gets really dicey,
1: right? Let's talk about that after we talk about whether or not, because I think the sequencing with this hand, if you do decide to keep it, is also really interesting. So, I mean, we could go into that. Or right well, if you mulligan to... it, you just mulligan it, so... <laughs> yes, of course, of course, but... <laughs> well, how would you sequence this hand if
0: you keep it on the draw? Like, turn one, you've drawn a card.
1: This is how I did sequence it. I did keep it. I'm still not sure if it was right to keep. The, the two ether Gusts were putting stars in my eyes, basically. Because the way that the post board games have played out a lot is, like, kind of two ways. Especially on the draw, you rarely just, like, it's prowess natural. them to death. Yeah. So... Either it turns into this, like, very grindy affair where, like, your ledger shredder is big and holding off their trolls and cavaliers, their cavaliers and threats of lethal are, like, holding off your ledger shredders, and you eventually, like, accumulate a bunch of tokens with a young pyromancer and kill them that way, or they, like, create a gigantic board, find the large glut of all the planeswalkers they need and they like combo you to death but that takes like more cards than you making a lot of elementals so you're favored in that kind of game a lot of the time so that's one way that it plays out is it gets really grinding you kill them with elementals this hand with the ether gusts is really good for sort of the second way a lot of the games on the draw play out which is you put a threat or two in play you gust away it Especially the ledger shredder, you want the two mana threat in play, and then you gust away their threats as you you do like four damage a turn and just keep time walking them until they are dead. And you know, this hand is saying, hello, let's play that game, which is a very a very powerful game plan against them because their spells are very expensive. The way that I played it out, which I I'm thinking now was a mistake given what I wanted to do with this plan is I played the one drop first. Cause I was like, I want to like get in damage and I want the highest ceiling that this hand can give me. I, I want to, I'm on the draw. So I want to sort of like take that back. And so I started with Soulscar scar mage, didn't hit the land on turn two. I cast consider. I saw an opt. I had to bottom it and then drew not a land and just died from there. So I think that if I am going to keep this hand, what I'm really supposed to do is start out on the cantrip like the one drops can get played on a convenient turn at some point in the future because they only cost one mana. The important thing is to hit my lands immediately. And the most important thing actually with this hand is to get the ledger shredder in play on turn two. And then I can fix everything going forward from there. So if I am going to keep this hand, I have to not give in to temptation to play the one drop on turn one. That damage isn't as important. if you, if you, you important.
0: don't draw the, the land on turn one, you should consider. If yeah, you I, I think you're absolutely
1: right yeah yeah no if you draw the land then sure yeah. then just play the one drop into the
0: ledger shredder but i think if you're like looking at this hand you have to consider like what you're <laughs> no you have to mm-hmm. figure out what your like if your first draw step is a land you your game plan is normal right but if your first draw isn't a land are you okay with casting consider that's what i was kind of saying, going down the whole gotcha up.
1: yeah and i think you actually are with this hand i think you are okay with casting consider because the turn due Ledger Shredder or Young Pyromancer is actually, like, phenomenally important in this matchup. You actually sideboard out—our our plan ended up being sideboard out some number of one-drops because they become less effective, especially on the draw. But the two-mana threat is—just uh, makes all of your cards good and makes the game favor you. So, I should have played it differently, and I— Also, my ultimate conclusion, too, is that I should have mulliganed this hand, because not only is it missing lands, it's also missing the Wild Slash or whatever for Alanoir Elves. Uh, And it's just too many ingredients that it's missing and too many ways that the game can go wrong. Even though it has a lot of upside, it has a lot of downside, too.
0: Like, if a Gust or a Soulscar Mage, or a Legendary even, was a one-mana interaction spell, I think you could keep this one a little more comfortably. But, Mm -hmm. I again... Things go wrong, so I won yeah. A hole again,
1: yep. And I, I think that I just didn't quite correctly evaluate, and ultimately like like lost the game because the hand wasn't good enough. And don't really have anybody to blame for that one but myself. Oh, you can have you been to a magic tournament? Come on, you can blame
0: anything. <laughs> no, the sun I, could be
1: in your eyes, like hell. Oh. I, I just you know didn't quite evaluate it properly, and that's just a thing that happens sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the way we're talking about it now, right? Hopefully listeners can solve this kind of dilemma by themselves now.
1: Well, and honestly, like I feel more equipped now just after our conversation. I just like, am, you know, I think it's just good to talk these things through. <laughs> it's
0: weird because I usually tend towards mulliganing, but mm-hmm. my thought process in game, you know, we're not talking on a podcast through everything. Is just like, yeah, just looking at cards. My mind is like blank. and i'm like i don't think this will do it but i couldn't tell you like why
1: (laughs) right but i think you are unconsciously going through all the same stuff like you develop these internal heuristics and we talk about them and we think about them here so that on game day you don't have to narrate all of those things like when you're playing four color control, if you've played a couple hundred matches of four color control, do not fetch your lands. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't need to think about, wait, do I get a triome here or do I start with this abundant growth? Like you know which one you're supposed to do given the spells in your hand.
0: That's why, like, the first hand you
1: laid out uh, when you were writing it down, I'm like,
0: what's he gonna write in this last spot to make this a tempting hand because i'm like no just mulligan we're not in for this one
1: <laughs> no the, right the lands were good in that hand it's just there were too many of them
0: yeah <laughs> um
1: but yeah so obviously i played a bunch of pioneer this weekend Perfect. Uh,
0: you love to see it you don't get to play much pioneer like no one no, does. there's not much I, in this
1: area i really enjoyed it i had a great time playing pioneer not just because i won a lot of matches i legitimately this is a type of magic the gathering that i really enjoy like big old standard yeah Yeah. i think it
0: can be boring sometimes Mm -hmm. uh but it is super nice that a deck you really enjoy playing basically got unveiled kind of this weekend Mm -hmm. where people hadn't seen it before or even knew the cards you were playing were because it came out like the day before the tournaments
1: right (laughs) right yeah and i mean prowess has been you know before expressive iteration it was maybe the best deck the before the expressive iteration ban it was maybe the best deck in the format so it wasn't like a crazy thing but people weren't expecting to play against monastery swiss spear and especially not young pyromancer in this format right now so that was a big advantage going into this weekend yeah, I think so. And what were people playing? Were they playing anything you didn't expect? I played against Mono Green several times. I played against Red Black variants, including Sacrifice and in the mid-range deck uh, a couple of times. And I played against control decks and uh, like blue-based slow control decks. And that was the bulk of what I played against. So none of it was particularly surprising. And all of it was stuff that like I understood how to adjust my deck and my, my gameplay to... Play against.
0: Yeah, it's also nice where you don't <laughs> like. We've been talking about Pioneer for a little bit, and I, I we basically went through all the decks people could play, kind of like last week, right?
1: Yeah, and and nobody really came at me with anything that was outside of the broad bounds of what we talked about last the time.
0: Wild and crazy area of Pioneer.
1: Right, right. Uh, I mean, I did play against. Is it dragons? Ooh, standard I, throwback. It, it's tough to make smoldering egg work when your opponent is playing reckless rage. So, you know. <sighs> did they Silumgar scorn you any? Because that would be sweet. They did not Silumgar scorn me. That would be sweet. That now that I think of it, it must be the reason that they were playing. Right. Uh, the those cards. At one point, I had a two-four ledger shredder, and they went on their turn. Oh no! It's dig through happen. time. Yep. And then they took two cards, and then they went. Dragon's fire targeting ledger shredder, revealing goldspan I dragon. I knew
0: it. I knew it. <laughs> oh no! And Did I you went, connive?
1: Connive trigger?
0: <laughs> what was their face like?
1: <laughs> and then I discarded whatever spell was in my hand. Literally, I think I discarded a treasure cruise. Honestly,
0: that is brutal. I mean, it doesn't even mean that necessarily. You can just forget about that sometimes.
1: Oh yeah, no, no. I I, like. I think it's like a problem with the design of Ledger Shredder, not like a.
0: It's honestly, in my opinion, it's the only reason why the card is so good. Like, if it didn't have that text, it would be easy to understand, way easier to understand, and significantly less powerful.
1: It changes the texture of your opponent's turn because every when I have it in play, I'm on my opponent's turn, excited for what's going to happen instead of just like, okay, do whatever. I'm like sitting up like play a second spell, play a second spell, play. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, did you play ledger shredder mirrors? Cause those are miserable to me.
1: I did not play any ledger shredder mirrors. Cause it's
0: when, like when your opponent has, you, you both have a ledger shredder out. You're like constantly have to evaluate when you play your spells and when you mm-hmm. don't know to get who could, can I have triggers. And it depends on like when you get them out. Cause which ledger shredder is bigger matters. Right. And right. then if your opponent ever plays the second one, all of a sudden you're under rule of law, but they aren't <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> and it, it gets, it's, that that's why I don't like the way Ledger Shredder is worded, because anytime mm-hmm. Ledger Shredder is involved on both players' side of the field, it gets so cumbersome.
1: Yeah, I do not believe that it should trigger off of your opponent's spells. i am fine with the triggering off of like your second spell on their turn because that's tough. So you know, or tough to get two triggers in a turn cycle. But yeah. I I don't like your opponent getting like <laughs> gotcha' because they went like they just played cards. Okay, you're dead. I get an extra counter. You're not going to brace that.
0: It's also in blue, so it's like the the least I want to... Tr- it, it, when you're playing your turn and your opponent has Ledger Shredder, it's a blue card, so they have counter spells in their deck of some variety. That's just mm-hmm. one of the strengths of blue cards. And all of a sudden,
1: when you cast your second spell... Right, because that's how you play against counter spells is by playing two spells in one turn. Yeah, and they can just like draw another one. <laughs> it's so brutal. Ugh, yeah. I will be continuing to play Ledger Shredder in every format i'm allowed to until i mean maybe not gonna be a
0: grixis shadow player
1: (laughs) probably it's not going to make me become a grixis shadow player but i will be playing it in pioneer and smaller as long as they allow me to yeah it's very good
0: very 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 good yeah missed that one because i didn't realize how the card worked (laughs) during
1: the new season i think i i think very few people did we see in the pioneer deck lists from the challenges and the ptq that all of the phoenix decks are for ledger shredder decks now as it should be yeah
0: i I was surprised when you like minorly pushed back on this last week against me Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe that was more of a price point i don't know where i'm getting ledger shredder sort of deal from your perspective but from my perspective it was a little bit it was uh what what are you talking about (laughs) ledger (laughs) shredder is insane
1: no yeah that that card is uh not cool. <laughs> I mean, it's cool to have one in play. It feels really good. But is it cool as Thing in the Ice? That thing's ice. Thing in the Ice is really cool. And I think it makes sense to run a couple in your Phoenix deck and maybe have a couple more in the sideboard, depending. But but yeah, so Prowess deck was really good. Alan and I both ran it on Saturday. We both top aided. Uh, I made the finals. I lost to Rakdos in the finals. Friend of ours, Will Kane. It was very good all day. Philip recognized that it was very good and he switched to it for Sunday from Mono Green. And then he top eighted on Sunday. Alan and I both 5 2'd and made top 16, but unfortunately took our losses a little early. So we were not as live for top eight as we would want to be. But ultimately, over the weekend, our group on, on Prowess did extremely well and it, it felt very good. I don't actually know that that is necessarily an artifact of being on prowess as much as it was just like removal spells and treasure cruises were really good against all of my opponents. And I think that on Phoenix, my results would have been very, very similar this weekend, but maybe not quite as good because like young pyromancer was an ingredient in the success, but it was heavily a, I'm playing treasure cruise and my opponents keep not playing treasure cruise this doesn't feel fair to me sort of situation.
0: Yeah. And I also helped that like y'all are all great players too. Right. Like this is a local tournament. Like it's not the, the 10 round magic online 500 player (laughs)
1: nonsense. Right. I did not play against the killers generally that, you know, I played against some good players, but I didn't play against the Nathan Stoyers of the world or anybody like that necessarily.
0: Yeah, not to take away from success, It's like, it's really nice. Y'all were like the only people in the room playing that deck too.
1: Yeah, and and just, it, it looked very good. So definitely would recommend it going forward, Uh, particularly in paper. I think the metagames are just slightly different in paper and online, and your region may be different, but I think a lot of people who are not like moto grinders are still not on a Treasure Cruise train and also... Not necessarily understanding like how the that card existing warps everything that you're allowed to do in the format. My my dragon's opponent, like whenever they cast Dig Through Time, basically every time he cast Dig Through Time, I responded with Treasure Cruise. And Treasure Cruise gave me one more card than he got off of his Dig Through Time and also cost one less mana. And that was plenty to just pull ahead. I mean, not
0: to detract from your Treasure Cruise's fantastic statement, because it is.
1: But uh, mm.
0: Rakdos did win. All yes, every every tournament,
1: <laughs> it won both of the RCQs we went to. It it won both of the challenges this weekend. It did not win the PTQ, I think, online, but it won. It did fine. It won a lot of stuff. Ractos is good, and everybody complaining about it is wrong. The deck is good.
0: I mean, it's it's just all of it Look at the deck list. This is all efficient yes. cards. Like you can disagree with individual card choices in a deck. Like, for instance, there's a Chandra Awaken in Inferno in one of these deck lists that got first place in the main deck, which is. Oh ooh, my God.
1: They must have lost to Blue White Control one too many times.
0: Yeah, like you can disagree with card choices, but overall, the strategy is just, it just works. It's good.
1: Yeah. And it does have good specific plans against like a lot of the stuff in the metagame and particularly against mono green. You wouldn't think, you know, if I just told you there is a mono green Nykthos Ramp deck and there's a red black midrange deck. But it turns out that the way that it plays out, if every time the mono green deck plays something that matters, you immediately respond with a removal spell on it, that actually weakens a lot of the range of what the mono green deck can do on its next turn. Uh, You're making the Nykthos weaker, you're just like reducing the power of their spells in a bunch of ways, and the red-black deck, especially post-board, when you can make your removal the correct removal, and Dreadbore is a huge part of this, and Kalidus just giving you extra value is also a big part of it, you can just play this like threat-answer-threat-answer game until they're out, and that actually is pretty effective against the ramp deck.
0: Yeah, the the Rector's metering checks is quite good. And it's also, at this point, heavily refined. Mm -hmm. It's just a deck people have played so much of, to the point where people are just like messing around with deck lists to make their their still-good deck worse.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so stealing one that did well and just kind of not changing too much is a fine strategy that I can get behind, and I wouldn't be mad at you for doing
0: like you you have a very low floor with uh with Rockdowns. A very really high floor, rather. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so. It just like looked fine every time I saw it. Uh yeah, don't do weird stuff to it. I played against another friend of ours who I hadn't seen in a while, Robert Wright. Uh hmm. and you know, he had done a like sticking Grease Fang combo into the deck, which was cute <laughs> and and adorable, but ultimately I think playing the good cards is the correct strategy to do. <laughs> Typically, in in Magic,
0: I mean, more power to anyone who's trying to have fun though. Like that, that's that sounds like my GM. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. It, it was cool, but you know, I cast Treasure Cruise, and he had a a, a park Party lead in two in his hand <laughs> as his last card. Yeah, so, of <laughs> um, just is it decks in general seemed to be quite strong over the weekend. Uh, Phoenix just did very well. On the online tournaments in particular. I saw almost none of it in paper. I I just Treasure Cruise isn't getting cast in our local paper tournaments. And there's only really two good cards in Pioneer, and it's Nick Those and Treasure Cruise. And if you're not doing red black, you should be doing one of those other things. So
0: Right. Like Fable of the Mirror Breaker is the the
1: red black card. Sure. Yeah, it is very good. And they get Thoughtsees, so that is a certain amount yeah, of. I mean, everyone gets Thoughtsies. It's just like in every format. I I know, but the red-black deck gets thoughts. That is a (laughs) card that, like, is not directly on par with Treasure Cruise, but it's, like, in the... It's, you know, a legacy playable Magic the Gathering card, so... It's one of the strongest remaining
0: cards in the format on, like, power level. Right, right. But it's not, like, a proactive card, so it's nice in that regard. It doesn't just kill you over and over
1: again. (laughs) Yes. So, weird to just not see any Phoenix at all in the local events, but... It showed up online, was quite good. There were conversations online about whether or not like pieces of the puzzle is actually still good or necessary for the deck, like a consideration that was part of the the iteration kind of package, and particularly good because it doesn't actually draw cards against Narsa unless you set things up uh in the face of hate. But all of that conversation kind of like turned into nothing when all of the phoenix decks were just four pieces of the puzzle <laughs> decks it, everyone that top aided so there's
0: even some grixis decks th- that are also in these primary challenges that also have
1: pieces of the puzzle in them. <laughs> and are not phoenix decks they are phoenix decks oh okay
0: interesting yeah. are they like
1: thoughts phoenix decks they, i didn't see them
0: they just let me try and look for a list here uh like so this one in particular does play thought and collective brutality which is odd but that's what they're doing mm.
1: well <laughs> the discard outlets in pioneer are pretty bad except for ledger shredder so
0: yeah i mean this one's ledger shredder of course and then thought collective brutality mm-hmm. some fatal pushes so mostly black removal instead of red removal.
1: yeah yeah i mean the like i get it fatal push is a better like you have to run not shocks yet you, you generally have to run like slightly better creature only one mana removal spells in red and like fatal push is a direct upgrade to basically all of those so like i get it but boy that mana base does not sound like my idea of a good time
0: yeah like stringle. well th- i think this one's this i'm looking at bullwinkle 6705 and 14th mm-hmm. uh this is actually just blue black with a couple of red pathways so it's oh.
1: In case you have to cast
0: your Arclight yeah, because the only red card you play shredding. is Arc Phoenix, and I guess Jagantha okay. in the sideboard if you like do that. Yeah, Jagantha also stock raised dramatically when Ledger Shredder's in your deck <laughs> because you can discard it to Ledger Shredder.
1: <laughs> you can. I did cut my Jagantha after day one, and where I just its only purpose was to like make me feel dumb for forgetting to announce it at the beginning <laughs> of the game or forgetting to put it in my hand when I did have like three spare mana. So I just. I needed a spot for crackling drake so that was the first thing to go.
0: That's also like the paper practice where you got to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be oh, on for your sure. companions.
1: For sure, it was a, an artifact of me just not having played paper tournaments with companions in a very long time, so
0: What what I do with Yorian is I put her in the like top left of my battlefield with a big 6 die on her. Mm-hmm. So whenever I look at my battlefield which I do often, I always yes. wonder, why is there a Yorion that's so big on my side of the board? And then I'm like, oh, it's my <laughs> companion.
1: Do I want to put it in my hand this turn? That's fair. I I think I wouldn't have this problem with Yorion, because I've played Yorion decks in the past. And starting on, like, turn one with Yorion, I'm thinking, all right, what am I doing with Yorion in this game? And that is not the case when Gigantha is your companion. So. <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> You're just looking for the... well. I've only played Gigantha in decks with some inherent discard outlet, whether it be Ledger Shredder or mm-hmm. the Underworld Cookbook or Jeskai Ascendancy even. So sure. I'm always like, oh, when do I have a turn to just get an extra card in my hand? And it's going to well, be Well, And bad. in
1: Jeskai Ascendancy, if you untap with Gigantha. I don't think I've ever cast Gigantha in Jeskai <laughs> Ascendancy. I know
0: it's like possible, but I have
1: I've not. Yeah, it. you try not to. Yeah, I am not a Gigantha stan. I despise that card. I Whoa. did not miss it. I did not miss it day two. My... Especially because, like, I played against red black. I played against blue white twice. And I was just like, yeah, I have no desire. I do not need Gigantha here. I just, like, smashed my blue white opponents. It wasn't close. I, yeah.
0: No, Gigantha's not good. You only put it into your hand when you're losing.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's
0: just how the card works. I'm, I'm being serious.
1: Right. Yeah. Because you just have nothing to do.
0: Right. I still think it's worth the slot personally, but I
1: wouldn't, like, I'm not going to be mad at anyone for cutting it i just don't care enough and i really i just i just don't want it <laughs> i'm not into it zero elks I, believe. I, I
0: definitely feel when you play a seven-round tournament and you only to re- reveal your companion like three times it's you're like a thousand percent correct to cut it then
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe i need the practice though <laughs> yeah i mean yeah so to talk about monogreen a little bit it definitely is running into a little bit more in the way of problems than it has in the past but it functions as in our friend max's words the chump check of the format you got to show up ready for mono green and if you don't if you just come in with magic the gathering cards it will kill you and uh, sometimes, A lot of times it just kills you by putting a lot of power and toughness on the board. Sometimes it kills you as... Uh, when I kept that on the draw hand from our Keeper Maul, it kills you by making 14 mana on turn four. While well, tapping, it's those for 14 mana after it's already made like 14 mana <laughs> before stuff, yeah. that. So sometimes it does that to you. It's like pretty
0: you... brutal when they have a bunch of Devotion and they tap their those for a bunch of mana and you're like gearing yourself up for one big thing and they play Kiora and you're like... <gasps> Okay, I'm ready. <laughs>
1: <sighs> yeah. So there are ways to interact with it. If you show up ready for it, you can beat it. There are games playing Mono Green that are very frustrating because your opponent either answers your elves and you don't have enough lands and you just like get run over with like powerful, expensive cards in your hand. Or they keep dread-boring your stuff and making zombies and you don't really get any traction on the game because they drew exactly the right answers. But there are also games where you go Cavalier of Thorns on the play and your opponent can't do anything at all and they just <laughs> die immediately. Yeah, it's, it's nice. The <laughs> but, worst
0: part about Monogreen to me is when you... Have a fine hand and then your first two draw steps are Nykthos when you Mm -hmm. already have one. It's just like, oh,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can't even hit them with my Cavaliers to like get a chain going. It's just like, oh, my God. (sighs) So I know Max was slightly tilted at the end of our second day just because, you know, his games didn't work out super well. And he was like, I don't know if I'll play this deck again, if I would play this deck again next time. But I talked with him again a little later and he was like, yeah, that was really just tilt talking the deck is totally fine you can play it if you want to win one of these tournaments and you're completely capable of doing it so
0: it's a, nothing fancy like everyone knows exactly what you're up to as soon as you have forest elf like there's only two decks you could be at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one of them's red green yeah which is a neat deck i like that deck but not just
1: this just the girl just uh, stop yeah just stompy. Just, yeah, just stompy. Yeah. <laughs> You get all of the greatest hits of the green red deck for the past couple of years. And you got your Lanor Elves, your Seeker's Cherry, your Fables, you know, mm-hmm. all the good stuff. It's a lot of good cards, but I think that probably I would rather Lanor Elves into Monogreen. Oh, the mono yeah, green absolutely.
0: Stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely on team Mono Green, but I don't really know where I was going with that.
1: I mean, Quick, change the subject. That's the end of that. <laughs> that's just the end of that statement. Yeah, and just to, like, wrap up against Prowess, I am not sure exactly how to build the deck going forward. My main deck was just very close to what Todd had posted because I didn't want to screw with it before trying it out. And even after one tournament, like, I made the finals of the tournament, so I was like, well, I can't really change anything for my deck after that. (laughs) Don't feel entitled to do that. (laughs) I still am... The jury is still out for me on of one mind of just, like, exactly how powerful it is. I think a couple of copies are probably important to the deck but i'm not sure if you want the full play set i did cast divination a few times over the course of the weekend one time i cast three mana textless what is a, a spell with no text because i just needed a prowess trigger to kill my opponent's narset which that didn't feel good but i did win that game which did feel good so the three mana Darksteel relic Yes, a three mana Darksteel Relic, which would give prowess. So, I guess that plays. Yeah, that that
0: plays. Trinisphere, Darksteel Relic, a very common play in modern.
1: I will play a three mana spell that does nothing if it then enables me to cast my Treasure Cruise to draw three cards. So.
0: Would you like shave to two copies? Go to like put in some other stuff. Like, what are you
1: thinking? I think I would shave. At least a copy, maybe two copies for, like, one additional main deck threat. Like, maybe maybe shave two and put in two Sprite Dragons or something like that. Uh, I don't know exactly what dragon. the right thing to do is, but I do love the young Pyromancers right now. I think that they're so good against the control decks, against the red-black decks, and they lent themselves to a surprising plan against Mono Green that I didn't understand until playing the matchup. And... That was really important to a lot of my and Phillips wins against Mono Green over the course of the weekend. So, do you want to describe the plan? Yeah. So when Mono Green isn't going all out and hits the combo, all they can do is put a lot of power and toughness into play, and most of it doesn't have trample. Only the Old Growth old Troll growth has trample. trample. Yeah. And Old Growth Troll actually gets outsized by a Ledger Shredder really easily, especially if they're casting two spells on their turn. Your Ledger Shredder becomes at least a three-five in a in a snap uh they can also get shadow spear out of their sideboard but that only gives like a thing trample and at some point like once they have done that there's a decent chance your ledger shredder can block a cavalier of thorns with a shadow spear on it because (laughs) ledger shredder is not a reasonable card it has extra two toughness (laughs) yes so you can get into these game states pretty easily where like all they can do is just keep making power and toughness but you can also make power and toughness because you have treasure cruised into like your second or your third young pyromancer and you just keep casting spells and you're making a similar amount of power and toughness to them, but you're going way wider. And so at some point you can just count and then you can turn everything sideways and then you like bounce their cavalier. So, you know, your ledger shredder is getting through for six damage and then you just like count their blockers and you count your elementals and other things. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is lethal because you're monogreen and there's nothing you can do about this attack step.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't play tricks. Your sideboard yeah. is like primarily artifacts.
1: Yes. Uh And because that is a game that you can win the long games against mono green, and that's a normal way that you win games, uh, you do cut some number of one drops because you're unlikely to just like prowess them to death, especially on the draw. And, uh, you know, that that is a way of beating mono green that I didn't really understand existed until it started to play out a couple of times. And then I started aiming for it in my mono green games.
0: As long as you keep them off the combo, you're just good to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean... The combo is, like, it is grindy, and it does take a little while to get to the point where you have lethal elementals, but the combo does require several ingredients and takes some time to set up, and, you know, if you can counter their Karn, they can't get to it at all, and it does take a couple of turns to get to, even with a Karn, possibly. So, uh, and, you know, the, the combo without, like, a Heart of Kieran in the sideboard requires two Karns and two Kioras to do, so that's a lot of components and a lot of things for them to set up that are not putting power and toughness on the table. And anytime they skip a turn of like putting power and toughness on the table, you're that much closer to turning it around and just dealing lethal to them. Okay, cool. But yeah, that's about all I've got for Pioneer. Enjoyed playing it.
0: Sad that there's like almost no more Pioneer in our area. I don't know. I don't think
1: there's but one in like two weeks maybe. Yeah, especially now that I like feel good about it. Oh, don't play like Todd's exact sideboard Uh, adjust the sideboard put some threats into it I think is really important to put some alternative threats I don't know what the best things are but depending on what you're playing against some things from the list are like crackling jakes are really good for punishing a supreme verdict the royal scions I was actually surprisingly happy with I like shot it down when it got suggested the first time and then I thought (laughs) about it and put one into my board and was like pretty happy with the times that I brought it in and drew it Rabble Master is one of the best ways of fighting Narsets if Narsets become heavily played. You know, Chandra is good, but it does get hit by Dovin's Veto. But pick some group of alternate threats and make that three or four of the slots in your sideboard. And that, that's an important thing to do. I think the original sideboard had like nine counterspells in it, and that's not the way you build a sideboard. Yeah,
0: it's it's the first draft of a sideboard. Which, I mean, honestly, that was
1: Todd's first draft, so no hate to him. Right, exactly. It's not not his fault. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's just like, that was a first draft of a deck, and here are some of the things that we learned by thinking about it and playing with it more. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, but so we're, I'm at least going to play some Modern this weekend. I hope you show up, but I know that you have Flesh and Blood that you might want to play. It's a a tough
0: balance, because on one hand, Mm -hmm. Modern is extremely close. There's going to be a lot of people I like there. And I don't even have all the, I I, I just learned uh, when I got home, I, I was under the assumption that this tournament for Flesh and Blood was a draft tournament, which makes it so close because I love, I, I love limited tournaments and mm-hmm. doing the Flesh and Blood like draft tournament last weekend was so fun. I, I love drafting, but it's constructed and I'm like much lower on that. <laughs> uh huh. Just in general, not, no hate on Fudge and what's constructed for it or anything. Just, right, it's not no, as it's limited
1: level. is just more fun, especially when you don't get to play it very much.
0: Yeah, so I'm like much closer to Modern now than I was earlier today. Okay,
1: I may be a 4-subtlety gamer this weekend. We may have kind of switched <laughs> spots. We'll see. I have been searching for a way of being more confident in my 4-color matchup uh felix slew posted uh, the living end list that he top forward the modern challenge with this weekend it's a no grief list which i'm always a little leery of but that's kind of the only way that you can make innovations to the living end deck is to take out the grief package because it's so dense and like really screws with your sideboarding and architect is the worst cycler but you have to play it for grief but people are used to grief people know about getting griefed by living end and their plans just inherently understand that they can get griefed and so this is a less It, it it's a no grief list it leans on subtlety it has like three main deck subtleties and it's playing fire and ice you can tap down a land on their third turn so they can't play Teferi or whatever. You can tap down a land if they've left down, left up a counterspell and that helps. You can kill an early creature. So I'm curious to try it and see how it feels, particularly against Four-Color. One of my concerns is Grief is at its best against Murktide and I think it like blows that matchup wide open and is a big component of why you crush Murktide so badly. And I want to see if taking them out... Like significantly affects that matchup, or if you can sort of like weave around that loss. The fact that you get to see their hand and know if they have a counterspell or not, because you have many solutions to counterspells, whether it's like going EOT outburst, main phase chartless agent, or having a force of negation, or waiting till they tap out, and some combination of those things, just knowing the card in their hand is really good. And then the play pattern of take your counterspell living end bring back my grief take your murktide regent so you can't outsize my creatures on the board with your murktide regent is just like such a nutty sequence that i don't actually know how much of living ends win rate against murktide is like solely because of grief and i kind of need to figure that out before before being comfortable cutting it i I know
0: that from the living end players i've talked to grief is always kind of been underwhelming except for the counterspell matchups Mm-hmm. just like it doesn't it's not like it doesn't carry its weight because it's still a good card it's just like costs more than it gives more than there's it a out. huge
1: deck building cost to it and and that's one thing that i've always like wondered if i can get away from and still feel comfortable in the matchups where it's very good yeah yeah
0: so i'm i'm all for trying out felix's like blue live again. he got what top four in the modern challenge yeah <laughs> I do like this uh, question about why Emrakul is in the sideboard. He's like, I don't know. I just got bored. Yes.
1: <laughs> I believe that my first change will be take out Emrakul, put in a second Brazen Borrower so you can... Like, one thing that I love about this list is you can so easily transition to the, like, Flash plan that's, yeah. like, a very effective living inside. where you just have a bunch endurances. of Endurances and a couple Brazen Borrowers. You have, like, ten Flash creatures at that point, and they're trying to not get living ended and you're just like here's a three one here's a three three flyer like end of turn subtlety i'm gonna sex ya
0: yeah you a have color raven which is a a nice little it can give endurance flying <laughs> yes i mean it'll come up you won't think about it until it's in your hand you're like oh i can do this and then it'll be yeah. good because <laughs> i've seen you I mean, win endurance... a bunch of stupid games of living end that you just like attack oh, with nonsense creatures
1: that's my my favorite
0: way to win games of living end for sure yeah, too bad you don't get to attack with Monstrous carabid anymore, but we have better creatures nowadays.
1: No, I, that, I'm that i okay with that. I don't really <laughs> need to ever cast Monstrous Carabid again. But, like, I mean, I, I kind of loved this, but it was awful. The fact that you had to sideboard out Monstrous carabid against green decks because <laughs> had to attack. It, it had to attack and it would always attack into a Tarmogoyf. So <laughs> you could not have it in your deck.
0: Classic modern from a bygone era.
1: Mm -hmm. But we don't really have to deal with that anymore. So that is probably my plan. I think I should be playing four color if I really want to optimize, but I have also heard from various sources that we have a lot of four color in our area. Um, So I think I may be better served by playing a deck I know how to play well and going and hanging out with max who is an excellent four color player and figuring out a way to beat good players on four color decks with the deck that i'm playing so
0: so we do have a lot of four color in our area but i would not describe most of the players who are playing four color as strong enough with the deck uh, that's like it's one strong. of the very common things i've noticed watching it's I a watch tough deck a lot to of play games. yeah i so i my mo at magic tournaments is i'll i play every round regardless of how i'm doing unless i'm like really tilted <laughs> uh, but that's more difficult for me to do than the average person, <laughs> uh, for my gameplay reasons. Right. So, I typically will play throughout my the whole day, but I'll also watch like all the matches I can to see what people are doing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of people play four color in our local area, and not a lot of people just do not play it that efficiently or well or think about what their plans are because the the cards themselves are very strong. But there is a couple different constraints when you're playing four color. You really have to be thinking of uh, just mm-hmm. depending on the matchup, and even like the clock is a relevant factor in all of your games. And a lot sure. of people I see playing the deck do not take all that stuff into consideration. They'll fetch the wrong cards with a call, mm-hmm. or like a good card for the matchup, but not the card that gives them the better chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, because th- that's like something you can do to i don't really need to go in the weeds of four color but yeah it's really tough there's a to lot play. of
1: choices on every turn given the number of free spells you have and the fact that it's not just like do i cast the solitude that i can even though i don't have any mana it's what card do i exile to the solitude at what point do i cast the solitude do i like yeah, am i saving
0: yeah. it for something like, yeah when is this omnath coming out do i spew all my mana immediately after i cast it usually the answer is yes but <laughs> like you yeah. do need to pick and choose your spots and thinking about that stuff, and the good players on four color area are very good. No, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. the the average four color pilot, because it's a really strong deck, and a lot of people around here have modern cards. I am is not someone I'm like intimidated by.
1: Yeah, if that makes sense. And I'm not intimidated by. I mean, anybody in Magic the Gathering. Re- I mean, there's Whoa. there's a few people that I'm, that, you know, I'll just be like, eh, I'm probably going to Alan Swan listens to this podcast, Chris. <laughs> well, I will probably never beat Alan Swan in a tournament, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not like necessarily intimidated by the idea of playing against four color, but I feel like if I sit down with one of our friends who I know is good at four color, figure out the plan that, gives me a good shot against him then that should give me a good shot against everybody so yeah
0: and, and subtlety is one of those really good tempo mm-hmm. cards against murktite or not Merc Tide. i'm sorry yeah. i'm just reading deck lists while on my <laughs> other water. <marker. laughs> <laughs> it's one of those uh, good cards against four color that's like yeah one of the draws to felix's deck
1: yes absolutely right where grief has been it can be a good part of exactly one of your plans against four color which is like Cycle, 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 cast living end. Get there as fast as possible and don't let them get any value over the course of the game. Grief is good in that when your your hand and your opponent's hand play out to give you access to that. It's not good in any other sort of way that the game plays out. And whenever you're not doing that against four color grief feels like pretty awful in the matchup. Yeah,
0: I, I believe it. Um uh, you wanna know what I'm playing this weekend? I do want to know what you're playing this weekend. It, it would be the clock stack. I I think Mm -hmm. Cascade's decks are really good. They tore up Magic Online this weekend. Like, even Rhinos uh, and Living Enders are just all over the place on these challenges. Cascade Mm -hmm. is a very strong mechanic. Very, very strong. They they gave us all the stuff. To my knowledge, one of the only mechanics that have been literally eroded to change how it works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Companion is the other one. So it's in good company yeah so you know
0: maybe the two best mechanics of all time who can say (laughs) but yeah i i I like the glimpse deck more than the other two like Mm -hmm. i'm just not gonna play
1: rhinos for sure yeah and that's not your kind it i don't think that you're the type of guy who will be like i'm playing i think i'll play a cascade deck this weekend i'll pick the mid-range cascade deck that's (laughs) not really a lee sort of conclusion to reach (laughs)
0: And I really, really did enjoy the Rhinos deck. Or not the Rhinos deck, God help me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I enjoyed the the Glimpse deck with the elementals that I played last week. Mm-hmm. The, you know, four Endurance in my main deck kind of deal yeah. with uh, all the elementals you're playing. Risen Reef, I played Sears and Pyromancer because I adjusted the mana base of the original deck. Mm-hmm. Something that no one in the history of uh, net decking has ever done with a specific deck
1: (laughs) change the mana base to accommodate a new spell
0: yeah like well most people don't even change the spells but if you look at the original deck that like got top eight in that challenge uh the pilot just forgot to put a breeding pool in the deck it's like very clear Uh, Mm. they even said as much on twitter later And no one has ever played that breeding pool. (laughs) (laughs) ever. It just doesn't
1: exist. That's so funny.
0: So every time I look at the deck, I I look at the, uh, even if they change the sideboard cards, because people do that because they want to like do their own thing or whatever. Mm. Uh, They never change the mana base and it's always wrong.
1: (laughs) Mana bases are hard, but maybe notice that boy, every time I feel like I kind of want to fetch a breeding pool here and it's just not there. Yeah.
0: It's crazy, right? (laughs) Uh, I do want to further change my mana base because uh, there was stuff I was noticing when I was playing it after I had changed the mana base initially that I, I need to do like fetches a little differently skewed because of mm-hmm. the lands I most frequently want to fetch. Uh, like For instance, you, if you want a red source early in the game in my particular build, I would have mostly have to get Sacred Foundry because Misty Rainforest can't fetch Sacred Foundry. and That's the fetch land I was playing the most of so i would typically try to get sacred boundary first even though it's like the worst red land in my deck sure so what? i do need to change that around what
1: now that now that i'm thinking about this i felix has a forest in his mana base and i don't see think you there's... gotta look
0: at the mana bases guys <laughs> they sneak things in there
1: yeah <laughs> it's hard i to mean tell if they they're posting
0: your deck list on twitter you can also just ask them hey why is there a forest in your deck list kind of deal yeah, uh which you know I would encourage Chris you to do, and also everyone to do all the time, because <laughs> then it forces them. Even if they don't have a good answer, they have to type it into Twitter, and even if they don't respond to you, they'll like look at it and know that they're wrong, and that's to me a victory.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: not saying the force is wrong, but I have right. I,
1: I definitely once you've reached the point in the format that we reached a while ago where like blood moon is not played. And also all of your cyclers cycle for blue. The forest became a thing that I'm just like, I don't need this in my deck anymore and I never want to draw it. So I'm going to get rid of it. So
0: forest would be a better sideboard card than Emrakul.
1: Forest would be a better sideboard card than Emrakul. If somebody wants to mill, wants to play mill this weekend and we get paired, I will take the L. That is acceptable I, I will, to me. I will note that for
0: our particular local metagame, we have a ton of amulet players in addition to a lot of four-color players, <laughs> mm-hmm. which in turn means the amount of blood mints is higher. Oh, interesting.
1: All right. Well, that's a good thing to keep in mind. A lot of people play amulet around here. That's good. I don't think I've ever lost an amulet with Living End, so, you know. Well, that's not the main
0: takeaway. It's just that more people will be like blood minutes Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair max enough. But... Max the specifically.
1: But I'm trying to I'm trying to beat some amulet gamers this weekend. I'm I'm okay I mean, with he that. Can do that. Everyone everyone
0: can do that on their like super hyper proactive deck. Yes,
1: we could talk about the alchemy rebalancing. I don't really want to <laughs> that much. It,
0: it ex- so my favorite tweet was by uh, Jess, who mm-hmm. said on Twitter today, hey "Guys, you don't have to keep pretending alchemy is a format. Just move past it. It's fine." Yes. I agree. Jess is Uh, uh,
1: my current number one magic Twitter follow, but by the way, so if you do not follow at titty pills, you are, you should follow at titty pills.
0: Yeah. And uh, I don't know whether that's directed towards people or Watsy, but it applies to both equally
1: (laughs) equally. (laughs) Yeah. Just really no reason to complain super hard or care about these. I like, it is weird that now there is, like, a Dragon's Rage channel that exists in Historic, and it's different from the one that exists in Modern. There's an Unholy Heat that exists in Historic, and it's different from the one that exists in Modern. For some reason, they banned Grinning Ignis from Alchemy rather than, like, changing it, but I guess it's because it's, like, a 15-year-old card, so that's the line that they have drawn. Winota uh, only can get one thing now, and they've unbanned it in Historic. I i guess that's fine because you can't really play it anywhere else so now there's only one version that like gets played so that's like less offensive to me
0: so i think the interesting thing the changes themselves to me are like whatever they don't matter like no one ever plays Mm alchemy historic is more relevant but not super a lot uh the weird thing to me is like reading the description for these changes uh it makes me wonder what they were thinking when they were like going through it and i know this is like different departments deciding this but it's still one company and it's weird when i see mm-hmm. uh like unholy heat i don't have the page open so i'm just going for memory they're like unholy heat uh you know one of the things about red is it's got a weakness towards big creatures and unholy heat just really gets rid of that so we're nerfing it so that you know red doesn't get that kind of effect and then i'm looking yeah, at
1: meanwhile the- in modern my primeval titan
0: dies to unholy heat <laughs> yeah i'm looking at the unholy heat i'm holding in my hand with the correct like the, yeah. the real rules text and i'm like where why aren't your hands talking to each other? Like come on guys. Yes. <laughs> if this is what you believe, perhaps the card should not have gone out the door like this.
1: Yeah. I also find it really funny that they have nerfed Meat Hook Massacre for Alchemy and Historic by removing the life gain part of it, but it's still getting played in Standard like as on Arena, the place where it gets, sees the most play by by a fair margin like obviously it's good in the sacrifice decks in historic but like it it sees the most play in standard as that thing and nothing is being done about it and it's only really getting rebalanced for historic it's just a weird situation all around yeah it's it's uh, it's very odd I'll
0: never ever understand how they could allow arena to be this mismanaged like just continuously
1: I, and I don't my I, I really don't dislike the concept of eroding cards in a digital game to change them. I think it's totally fine. No, it's great. But that's just not what is going on here when you erotic cards that have paper versions of them. And then you just it's have also, two cards that exist for forever.
0: It's also weird. I mentioned this earlier uh, privately, but the the magic, the game teaches you that commons and commons for the most part. Essentially, do not matter. They are just garbage right. game places that are only used for limited, uh, and used except for the two or three that
1: that that come out of a set, and it's like okay, yeah, yes, like this you is get the format. Like a shock, format. a duress, right? A
0: consider, like whatever. Those cards matter, but for you know the other six hundred commons a year or whatever, they mm-hmm. they don't matter. They're, you just can, can ignore them, and if you never learned except for like four commons and Streets of nuka you could live your Magic career without knowing any of them, right? right so this is what magic's taught you magic arena also follows through with this by just not putting any emphasis on until much until very recently like playing limited for competitive events so you've like no reason to learn these cards and then all of a sudden in an announcement that is on the website not even in the client They're just like, oh, yeah, we're changing these four uncommons from sets like a year ago. We're just going to completely revamp how they work, essentially. Like this one gets its cost reduced by four and has an extra line, extra word in it. There's like like 25 cards that got buffed in this announcement. And it's just like, I don't I didn't even know this was a card. Like, how am I supposed to know it got eroded and like is improved? There's no clear communication with the client. Like, why why are you forcing me to care about this thing you have literally never emphasized before? It's just so weird.
1: Yes. It is very strange and also just the level of changes they have to make to some of these cards to like turn them into oh yeah, I'm going to make these changes. And I'm not going to make fun of the the individual changes for being totally ridiculous anymore because that bit me with the like dungeoneering stuff. Although most of the venture <laughs> cards did not they become standard yeah, playable. The aura that uh, enchantment land was uh... a <laughs> Right. It was mostly triumphant adventure became like, that's just a good card with two power. And then also the removal spell at two mana becomes a little bit better since you're playing adventure by default. But that like most, most of those did not become good. But the fact that like dueling coach a like card that I just like don't remember at all because I didn't play that much save and limited, but they reduced it's hard to tell because this stupid article they reduced doesn't its have the activated
0: ability cost by 4 it used By to be a four mana, mana
1: activated ability
0: now it's only a 1 yes. mana activated ability and I think they and also get gave an it an extra
1: text. plus 1 plus 1 counter when it comes into play yeah, that's what it was so it can come into play as a 4-mana four 4-4 four four now instead of a 4-mana 3-3. Three three. So it's, like, way closer. But they had to, like, make so many changes to it. And, like, what was the point of designing the original card, I guess? I just don't, like, it just, it's clearly two hands that are not, like, attached to the same person, like, dealing with this stuff. Like, the original design and then the, like, arena design and i would be
0: okay with that if the cards they picked had made any amount of sense at all but like no one was clamoring for like dueling coach changes you know it's not a card people wished was better but just didn't get there like pick any card people are hyped about for previous season and the ones that are bad but people wished were a little better just buff those like they don't do that they just pick these random commons and uncommons from sets from a while ago and they just buff them randomly
1: It's it's really weird. They just slap Ward 2 onto ochre jelly. Just this should that's I mean it makes it tougher to deal with.
0: It's the worst part about them doing those changes is that I have to read the cards because I don't know they exist. Like ochre jellies are rare from AFR. like one of the worst sets Mm -hmm. (laughs) they've had in recent memory. Like, why do I have to know ochre jelly? That's not even a common or uncommon, but I still don't have to know it. Just an Ivy elemental riff.
1: Rock slide sorcerer now is a three mana two two instead of a four mana three three whenever you cast an instant sorcerer wizard spell it deals one damage to any target okay what what am i supposed to do with this three mana two two with a triggered ability in a constructed format it dies to one mana removal spells but what's the what we should give a word to then oh there you go that's an idea yeah yeah i mean silly to complain about this like it's just a thing that i don't care about but it like keeps happening and it is just like please stop trying to take up my brain space with this i just am uninterested in it and i guess i shouldn't be spending podcast time on it
0: yeah again jesse's tweet. just just move on
1: yeah i, I mean i will absolutely i the buffs are, are very whatever they're very silly and like i i just don't care about them The Nerf's two cards that exist in paper see significant play in paper, but now there's a different version of them that we'll see play online. I don't like having two versions of cards that, like, have to both live in my brain now. But I guess if I just don't really play Historic, then then they don't exist, so... But I am going to misplay if I play Alchemy or I play Historic and Meat Hook Massacre is involved, I will misplay against it because my brain understands how Meat Hook Massacre works. So when my opponent's creatures die, I gain a life. When my creatures die, they lose a life. That's how this card works. And I will not be able to immediately adjust my play to it not having the life gain trigger for my opponent's creatures. Like, that's just how the card works. It's gonna screw me up pretty bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of weird to me that they want Arena to be like a premier digital card game client, but they don't they're not they don't have a digital card game. Right. <laughs> like it, so it doesn't feel like one when they make
1: these changes like this. No, it it doesn't. I mean, make all the changes you want to the alchemy only cards, the online only cards, do whatever, but not the ones that I'm playing in normal formats. But at least I can stick with explorer on Arena. I like owning cards and then getting them nerfed and not getting anything back from them is like such a brutal thing that i just like have no desire to be like invested in playing historic i honestly forgot about that part where you just don't get anything if your cards are affected <laughs> yes yeah, so of course In hearthstone every time they nerf a card they give you the the dust back for it at 100 percent. like i don't understand why we're not doing so- i mean i do understand why we're not doing something like that here but money it sucks <laughs> is that it are we done I'd say so. I think we've we've talked about plenty of stuff today. Yeah, and we got our
0: complaining out. I think most of it was in like the pre-show. I don't know how much of that the, <laughs> they'll get.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Only the entertaining bits. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. Uh, instead of giving the spiel that just like nobody would listen to because it's the same every time and why would you? I would just turn the podcast off if I were you at that point. At the end of each episode, I'm just going to give one thing that if you are feeling motivated to help us out, I will suggest. And no, absolutely don't have to do it. You listening to the podcast is plenty and we appreciate it. But if you wanted to do a little extra, I will just suggest a thing that would be nice. This week, I'm just going to suggest leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us a lot in rankings and things like that and can help us show up on feeds for people who are looking for podcasts like ours. I mean, if you're going to leave a bad review, then maybe, you know, don't do that. But if you if you like us and want to leave a good review, that would be cool. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. It'd It'd be awesome. Yeah. So thanks for listening and have a great week.
0: Bye, everyone.